The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, broadcasting from the Maple Knoll Radio Network here in sunny, warm, awesome, tropical Cincinnati, Ohio. Real Life Real Estate is your public radio source for information and inspiration to start or grow your own real estate investing business. And today we're got, we've got something for the landlords and the folks out there who want to own real estate as income property. And especially those of you who are in the latter group, listen up today because we are going to talk about the very, very important topic of landlord protection. My guest today is John Nuzzalese, who is the founder of the Landlord Protection Agency. He is a longtime landlord who is sadly joining us from South Florida, where I'm sure there are blizzard conditions and it's eight degrees below zero. John, welcome to Real Life Real well, Estate. It, 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 it is a little cold. Here. it's it's in the 60s so oh. it's, it's kind of a cold day it's it's terrible i'm looking i'm looking at the weather report on mike's screen here and i i think our high this week is 39 degrees and pouring rain oh, so boy. i'm looking forward to heading back down there uh this weekend and and doing the seminar for uh, florida gulf well, coast ria it'll be a nice weekend for you hey you know if it's if 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 the if the temperature gets anywhere north of 20 degrees it's it's gonna be a nice weekend uh for me so i'm 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 very much looking forward to it um now uh john uh despite your your current kicking back in in the warmth uh the reality is your um your ability to kick back in the warmth comes largely from the fact that you are uh yourself a landlord and when I saw the name of your of your website here, the Landlord Protection Agency, my my first thought, um, and this, this has been a couple of years ago, was, man, people are going to look at that and they're going to say, wait a minute, why do landlords need protecting? It's the tenants that need protecting from the evil landlords. So, can you can you explain yourself? Can you explain what happened yeah. in your life that made you decide that landlords needed protection? Yeah, yeah. Well. Uh that a lot of tenants will look at the landlords as being the rich guy, the big, big, bad landlord. But in most cases, the landlords are struggling to make their mortgage payment, and they're, they're struggling uh, with their life with one or two rental properties and trying to grow a business. And if they have uncooperative tenants, uh, they could be in big trouble, especially 
if they're like I was when I didn't know what I was doing when I got started. And uh, you'll, you'll find that uh, the tenants uh, do have a lot of rights as, as a landlord who's, who's starting out, who doesn't know the ins and outs. And um, if you have to evict an attorney, for a, a, a tenant, for example, uh, they get a free attorney appointed by the court. Never does the landlord get a free attorney when they have to do an eviction. They usually get that's kind of how um, I got started um, in in court. Um, I was doing an eviction, and uh, the 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 judge. But they really don't like landlords representing themselves most of the time, especially if the landlord doesn't know what he's doing. And I was kind of nervous about that. And all the landlords were being yelled at this day in court. It was in the early '90s, and. Um, they were all being made fools of by the judge, and, and it was my turn. And the judge said, who wrote this lease? Who wrote this? And I kind of, you know, I said, I, I did. I wrote this lease. And I was expecting to get balled out in front of everyone. And he said, this is the best landlord lease I've ever seen. You really should try marketing this to other landlords <laughs> to help them out. So uh, I I was really blown away because I tried to make the lease as best as I could to help protect against all the things we could think of and everything I've read in books to, to be able to protect the landlord. I tried to make the lease as strong as possible. So my wife said, you should make a website one day and help other landlords. And at the time, I had no idea what a website even was. And, um, you know, I just uh, called myself on my business card, Long Island. Landlord Protection Agency for uh, uh, the, the real estate business, and um, that's kind of how the name came about. But as far as um, protecting the landlord, I just always tried to revise the lease and learn. And the most important lesson that I learned is that, and I always say it as a quote: ninety-five percent of tenant problems can be eliminated in the screening process. Because whenever I had a problem. It always came down to how did I screen that tenant? Why did I accept them in the first place? And uh, the, the answers were always there. I always made an exception about someone who maybe had bad credit or, or there was a situation where I knew that I shouldn't take them, but I didn't know how to say no. And uh, a lot of bad tenant problems came about by not screening well, and I was always kicking myself and that made me start to make rules about who to rent to and who not to, learning to, to uh, get credit reports so I could screen the tenants and see if they have a track history of paying their bills. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty much how um, I discovered the need for landlord protection because I needed it myself, and, and uh, I had to go through a lot of hard lessons to, to uh, realize Realize that, and I trusted a lot of real estate brokers because I'm a real estate broker myself. So I used to co-broke my rentals on the multiple listing service or privately with other brokers who did rentals as well. And um, I learned the hard way that, and I don't know how it is in Ohio, Vina. Do the landlords pay the commission to the brokers, or do the tenants? It's, it's, it's supply and demand. It's typically the landlords, and I, and I and I will say that. It's only been recently in, in this part of the country, by which I mean kind of all of the Midwest, that it's been common for 
uh, rentals to be done through brokers. I know that uh, in Long Island where, you know, prices are much higher and rents are much higher and therefore that's an attractive, you know, thing for agents to do. Uh, It's been going on for a long time, but we've only really seen that very recently, probably in the last two to three years. I think it, it was a, a matter of supply and demand on Long Island, where for some, at some point the brokers always charged the tenant the broker's fee. So for that reason, landlords usually only took one month security deposit because the tenant had to come up with a broker's fee of a month, a, a month's rent, and the security deposit. So that was usually three. And then I started taking the second month security deposit and only the, that was in, in itself a screening tactic because the people who could afford to pay a second month security deposit for an extra nice rental were able to also pay the broker's fee. And if they could come up with four months rent, they already had money going into the deal. And usually those were a little bit of a better crop of tenants. But what I learned from the brokers was because we're hustling for those rental fees and it became kind of like a hit and run deal where the brokers didn't have they never had a vested interest they're not landlords most of them and they just see that one month quick rental fee and they'll just bring anyone over they're they're not into screening in fact whoever does the screening to those kinds of agents are like the enemy trying to kill their deals (laughs) So I kind of, you know, got a lot of them upset because I wanted credit reports. I wanted to do a credit report on anyone that they were bringing if they wanted the place. And I also wanted a a more detailed rental application because the application they used was basically not much more than a little binder agreement that just said who the tenant is and what the rent is going to be. And it was very, very little screening done at that time. And... I wanted it to be a little bit more detailed so that I wouldn't keep getting burned by bad tenants. Mm-hmm. So it happened one time when an agent that I trusted, that I did a lot of co-brokes with, brought over a family into my office, and they brought their own credit report. And what happened was they had an excellent uh, credit report. They seemed like very nice people. Uh, they signed the lease. And turns out that it wasn't a real credit report. They doctored <laughs> up the credit report, and I found out later that the agent did the doctoring on her copy machine. Mm-mm-mm. So, you know, then I, I learned, you know, you, you can't trust anyone. <laughs> you just have to do the screening yourself. And I learned another from another agent, but it wasn't the agent's fault. It was the, a criminal that they brought. The guy was wanted by the FBI, but I didn't know that at the time. And he had an excellent credit, and and, um, the only thing is it wasn't his real name, I learned (laughs) later, after he was in the property. It wasn't his name, and um, his wife, basically, uh, he was posing as his supposed wife's husband, but it was really probably his girlfriend who left the husband in California. Mm-hmm. So they were in the house, and the trouble started in the first month when they just decided doing to do whatever they wanted, regardless of what the lease said. And then they couldn't pay the rent either when the first month, the next month's rent came due. So um, I was really lucky because I was about to start eviction. 
when I got a call from the wife crying that her husband was just arrested by the FBI <laughs> and that um, they had been looking for him and they took him back to California and she voluntarily moved out right away. But that was the lesson that I learned to always check the photo ID and I neglected to do that. I didn't think of doing that. I saw the credit report and it was a nice couple and uh, you know, now, now part of the the regular routine is to check the uh, a photo ID, the driver's license, and get the get the uh, credit report ourselves after screening the whole application. Because a lot of landlords go for the credit report first, and that's usually a mistake and a waste of money. As we sell credit reports, and and I try to tell people save your money because you should screen the rental application before you waste any money on a credit report because most of the time you'll be able to eliminate them just checking on their references manually. Just mm -hmm. make the calls, check their references, where they work, do they work where they say they work, and do they bank where they bank, where they say they bank. And if that all checks out, and if they live where they say they live and the place looks decent, and I like to try to check out where they're coming from and see how that looks because that's an indication of what your rental is going to look like in, in their control. And it, it's kind of good to check those things before going to the final step, and that should be the credit report. And then if everything looks the way it's supposed to and they have the good credit that they promised you that they do, then go forward and go to the lease signing. Very true. And we need to uh, take a quick break, after which we're going to uh, talk more about landlord protections that you folks need to be taking notes on, because these folks wouldn't get away with this if there weren't so many landlords out there who did not know what they were doing in the way of protecting themselves from bad and predatory tenants. We'll also take your calls after the break at 877 Nine six five eight, or you can send an email with your questions to askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. You can always stay in touch with Real Life Real Estate on Facebook at facebook.com slash real life real estate or by joining our email list at askvina.com. As always, there's a special gift there for listeners this week. It is the chance to register for a free webinar about wholesaling in 2015. That's a market update that's going to happen on March the 2nd via webinar, and you can register for that as a real-life real estate listener at no charge at askvina.com. Wholesaling is a great way for landlords to reach that goal of paying off their properties much faster than just making that payment every month and and going all the way through a 30-year loan. So you can check that out at askvina.com. My guest today is John Nuzalese. He is the founder and owner of the Landlord Protection Agency, and we're talking about protections for tenants that are um, something that really, I mean, if, if we could just grab especially every small landlord in the country. The big management companies know this. The big management companies, this is what they do, okay? But there's no reason that you as an individual owner of one rental property, two rental properties, five rental properties can't and shouldn't do exactly the same things. If you have any questions about what we're discussing today, 
Give us a call at 877-772-9658, or you can send an email to askvina at gmail.com. Now, John, you've you've said that one of the biggest protections that you can put into place for yourself is doing a tenant screening, and you uh, told some stories that everyone who's owned rentals for more than 10 years could could we could we could sit here and one up each other right. all day long about right. like the biggest lionist you know <laughs> the criminalist tenant <laughs> i ever had <laughs> blah 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 and you know i i had one who also got into a unit with a false id so um you know we we we've, we've all we've all got those stories but uh even beyond the i screened them I checked and cross-checked and double-checked everything they told me about where do they live now and how long have they lived there and what do they pay and is their landlord happy with them and your tip about going to see the property. I hope every the property they live in, I hope they I hope everybody wrote that down because man, that is the telling sign right there. If the house they live in smells like dog and cat and is all ripped up, that's what your house is going to look like in that's in, right. in that's 6 right. months. Uh, but even beyond that, um, there's there's other things that that landlords can can do to protect their investment. Uh, and you mentioned right. that one of them is having a really great lease. What what sort of what sort of things do you n- not see in leases that should be there? I mean, there's like a million different leases out in the world. What, right, what, there are so many of them. Right. What what sorts of things well, do you think people like absolutely ought to have in their lease? Well, believe it or not, um, I speak with a lot of landlords who tell me, you know, about their tenant problems that they're having and the tenant uh, isn't paying the rent. And I always ask them, do you have a late fee in the lease, a charge to to, um, penalize them with a late fee if they don't pay by the due date or or by the, the grace period after the due date? And it's surprising how many people don't do that. They they have very very basic leases, and in this day and age, you wouldn't even expect people to have handshake agreements. But I'm surprised every once in a while someone tells me, "No, our lease isn't in writing." I was told sometimes even a lawyer will tell them that if it's a 30-day, a month-to-month kind of agreement, even a handshake, they're better off than having it in writing in a lease, where the tenants have all the rights, so they can give 30 days notice. But that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard because I learned a long time ago, the lawyer told me, if it's not in the lease agreement, you can't be protected for it. And if there are things that you want to protect yourself with, it must be in the lease agreement. And one of those is the late fee. So it's important to have a good late fee clause that, that will charge the tenant a penalty for paying late so that they'll know they don't want to pay late, otherwise they're going to owe more money. And it's got to be enough of a charge where they don't, so that they don't get comfortable paying the late fee. We, don't want to, we really don't want to charge late fees to make money. We really just want to charge a late fee to teach them not to pay late. Mm-hmm. So I learned a, a funny little thing because some tenants were chronic late payers and they would always pay late and pay the late fee, even a hundred dollar late fee. And I said, this has to stop. How can we how can we stop this uh, late payment? And that's when we started doing the the um, daily late charge, where 
there would be an, an initial late fee that would be around 10% of the rent. We usually rounded it off to a $100 or so. And uh, then there would be a, late, uh, a daily late payment after the fifth of the month or the sixth of the month. And the daily late charge would be like $10 a day. And when I explain the lease to the tenants in person, because I always recommend sitting down uh, for a lease signing with the tenants rather than just giving them a lease or, or emailing it or sending it to them and saying sign it, because they're not going to read it. And if they do, they're going to skim it, and they're not going to really know what, what is important to you. So that has to be read to the people and emphasize where the important parts are. But as far as the, the daily late fee goes, um, I always tell them that, you know, this is really very bad because if you owe a late fee and there's a daily penalty, it's going gonna, it's gonna to grow and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be uh, a very, very large late fee, and you really don't want that to happen. And then I, then I also mention now, these days that we're able to do it, now we will report to the credit bureau people who want to ruin their credit by not paying the rent. Mm -hmm. And personally, we'll only, pay, we'll, we'll only report a bad debt when the tenant leaves if they leave owing money. But um, it's a good thing for landlords to imply this to the tenant that they report to the credit bureau. That's all they have to say is, we report to the credit bureau. So you don't want to ruin your credit. Mm -hmm. And I started uh, giving people, you know how we have a lead paint disclosure form that we're required to give the tenants? Sure. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I made a form up that is a credit reporting disclosure form. And I just said, well, here's the lead paint disclosure. I need you to sign this. And I also need you to sign this credit reporting disclosure form. And they usually look at each other and they say, what's this? And I say, well, our management company reports to the credit bureau. So this is a double-edged sword. This can either help your cre future credit by not damaging it, or, you know, we really don't want to sign this lease with you if you think you might damage your credit because we don't want to ruin the, your financial future just because you're renting from us. Mm -hmm. So are you sure you want to do this rental? And, and do you think you'll be able to pay the rent on time or early so that you can keep your good credit rating? Sure. And sure. That works. Yeah, and, and, and I just want to uh, mention to our listeners who are in different parts of the country that before you try to institute a daily late fee or a, a late fee that's that's uh, different than whatever the norm is in your area, you do want to check with an eviction attorney or the court about how much of that is actually enforceable in your area because although most places don't have laws necessarily limiting the late fees, that doesn't mean that the court isn't actually necessarily going to award them to you, uh, or that, in fact, they're even allowed where you are. So always check that. You know, landlord-tenant law is kind of a state-by-state -state thing, and then you know, sometimes even cities get involved and say there's certain things that you have to do if you're a landlord. So just, just check that for your own area. And, um, John, that's a, that's a, that's a great tip to, to say, look, you know, it's not the same whether you pay on the 6th or you pay on the 26th. It's going to be more if you, right, if you pay. Right, They have an incentive. Yes, if you, if but you. But you're absolutely right. The, uh, the late fee laws vary from state to state, and some states have a limitation on how much the late fee can be. And uh, I, I know from going to court myself, 
it also depends on the judge. If if the late fees seem excessive, and in New York we don't have a limitation on the late fee, but if the judge feels it's high, then he'll knock it down. Or he might even say, forget it, I'm not, I'm not allowing the late fees. So I know I know a lot of states um, have the limitations also. So all the landlords should be aware of the the um, late fee limitations uh, that they're allowed to charge, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then charge what they can. But when I know I know when I get to court to do an eviction, which fortunately hasn't been that much in a long time because we've kind of uh, ironed out problems to avoid getting to that point. But I know that. Once you get to eviction court to enforce your lease for non-payment or whatever it is, but usually non-payment, the landlord's last concern is the late fees. It, it should be anyway. I think the most important thing is to just get the money judgment and get the tenant out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But uh, the late fees, um, you, you should be able to use that as an incentive to get the tenant to pay the rent on time. We have a question here that came via email at askvina at gmail.com. This one is from Tom, who lives in Florence, Kentucky. He says, I seem to consistently have a problem where I think I'm renting my unit to a particular person, but the next time I go over there, there are other adults apparently permanently living in the property. Does John have any suggestions for how to avoid this, or if it's already happened, how to get rid of the full-time, quote, guests? Oh, that's a pretty common problem, especially when you rent to singles. I don't know if that's the case for Tom, but I know um, it, it does happen where um, if there are single people renting or even if it's a couple, um, I, I hear from a lot of landlords who, have, if they have an extra bedroom or two, they think, well, hey, let's try to make a little extra money to, to pay the rent, and they'll sublet rooms. But um, when this happens... Screening, first of all, is a very important thing, and emphasizing the unauthorized occupants in the lease, that how that's not allowed. And there is a penalty in my lease for people who have an unauthorized occupant. But one of the things that is also helpful in avoiding this is having, scheduling, ha- having um, appointments scheduled for inspections after renting. And uh, it's good to do them at different intervals, with the tenants, and some landlords like to do surprise inspections, but but I think it's okay to make to make it understood that there will be scheduled uh, inspections and um, and you, you count beds and toothbrushes, but usually you find out um, either by complaints or if if you do an inspection, you see a lot of wear and tear or or too many cars at the property. So um, a lease violation notice would be something. Uh, even an attorney's letter. But the problem with unauthorized uh, occupants is it's the type of lease violation other than non-payment of rent. So if you took someone to court to enforce the lease for having uh, more occupants than you should have in the unit, the judges are very reluctant to, to do an eviction. And usually the tenants lie in court and say, well, we don't have other extra people. And, and or that they're, they're gone now, even if they're not gone. So it's very hard to enforce because the judges don't want to really do an eviction. So the best thing to do is if you have a month-to-month tenancy, you can terminate that tenancy. First, uh, explain with the violation notice that you'll be 
terminating the tenancy if if the um, if the default is not cured if they don't straighten out this situation and then you can terminate the tenancy but if you're on a lease you can give violation notices and and give it your best shot but you just might be stuck with them the way it is until the end of the lease mm-hmm. where and, you don't renew and in some ways that goes back to good screening because one of the questions that I ask the former landlord is how many people are living there I have I have I have two people here on this application. How many are living in your house? <laughs> Many times they'll That's say... A good question. Then they'll say, uh, yeah, well, it's apparently her and her husband and her husband's sister and his her husband. You know, so it's, it's, it's real. There's four people there. And the reason I'm not hearing about all four is because at least two of them have really bad credit and wouldn't pass my screening. And they know that. So uh, when they when they tell me that there's more folks living there currently, uh, I am you know, in the position of, of being able to go back to that tenant and say, hey, what are you going to do with your sister and your brother-in-law when you move? And generally at that point, they admit that they're moving in as well. Uh, question here from Tom, also from Northern Kentucky. He says, how does John actually go about reporting to credit agencies? Well, uh, one of the things that we did, uh, we, we tried very hard to find ways to report to the credit bureau and um, it was difficult over the years because we wanted to do it without having to get a judgment. And we wanted to have the ability to uh, report tenants so that they wouldn't get away with uh, what, they, what they've what they done and with the money that they owe their former landlords. And a lot of these people might be uncollectible, but, but someone should know about it. So we wanted it to be on the credit report. And what we wound up doing um, in order for us to... Um, make this work is we created our own collection agency with access to the credit bureau so when and and we don't it's not it's not a collection agency where we we go after um, debts for for different people who who want to use a collection agency it's really for the sole purpose of reporting bad debts that tenants owe Hmm. and that's how we do it it goes on as a, a collection account as a bad debt onto the credit report of the tenant. Creative solutions. (laughs) We need to take a a quick break. When we come back, we will talk more about landlord protections. We will also answer your questions at 877-772-9658 or at askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. My guest today is John Nuzalese and we're talking about things that you just got to do if you're going to be a landlord. This is not a business where you are uh, able to to effectively run it if you think that the way you're going to run it is just rent to really nice people who are just like you and everything will be fine. And in fact, if you are thinking about buying rentals, you probably need to go to our podcast on iTunes and check out last week's um uh, email or email or last week's <laughs> podcast because it was about fair housing, which is of course another important part of tenant screening and renting and so on. Uh, if you happen to be listening to this on the podcast and you're wondering why I'm telling people to go to a podcast, Real Life Real Estate is a live radio show on Wednesdays at five. 
Uh, broadcasts out of WMKV 89.3 and WLHS 89.9 here in the greater Cincinnati area or live streaming anywhere in the world at 5 o'clock Eastern Time on Wednesdays at WMKVFM.org. Uh, if you're missing the live programs because you keep forgetting about it, go to AskVena.com, sign up for our weekly e-letter, and we will remind you every week that the show is coming up. Now, John, uh, one of the things we sent out in the e-letter this week was an excellent article that you had created about landlording and landlording protections, and you made a really great point about how, you know, people people look at the benefit of cash flow and they look at the benefit of, you know, um, uh, their tenants paying down their mortgages and so on, but a lot of them, because they don't train themselves about how to do this business, don't end up getting the benefit of the property appreciating over time or of the of the mortgage paying down over time because they just don't last long enough. Right. Right. That's very important. Um, there, there are different ways of making money in real estate, but by holding it long term as a landlord and collecting the rent and allowing the tenants to pay off the property, you can also get to benefit by the appreciation. And the, most landlords who have owned property for a long time know about this. Unfortunately, uh, in a tough market, it's, it's really not that great if you haven't owned property for very long. But over years and years, and I, I've been doing it for 35 years, and uh, some of the properties have been able to appreciate really, really, really nicely in that time. Um, you know, and then other ones uh, more recently um, haven't. So appreciation is a beautiful, beautiful benefit for owning real estate. And if you can manage your pro- your properties, manage your tenants so that they're more like partners. And I always try to look at uh, tenants and or, or properties. I try to look at each property as if it's an employee. And we want to keep our employees happy. And we want to keep our employees in good shape because they work 24-7 for us. So getting a good, a good tenant to help us take care of our property is the most important thing for that long-term relationship with the property, for that long-term appreciation, to be able to benefit from that. It's so important to have good tenants. And the uh, quality tenants are the essence of our business. Without them... We wouldn't be able to continue to be landlords. It just wouldn't work. It wouldn't be profitable at all. Mm-hmm. And quality tenants, of course, means that you're offering a quality product. If you have a if you have a property right. that you're not taking care of, that doesn't look good, that doesn't smell good, that you're doing the very minimal work in between tenants to just make it rent ready again, you can't expect to get applicants who are, are sort of you know top quality, uh, high paying you know tenants and so on. Uh, just because right. those folks have better choices than you, so it is a two-way street. It's it's got to be the only way to do it, and uh, you know it's, it should always be a win-win deal where you give the tenant what they want, and they 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 feel special about having the property. And I always try to price it so that it's a very competitive price where they're getting a better property for a little less than the competition, that's not giving anything that good. Um, and, and then people want to stay longer, as long as you're not gouging them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But um, I, I just feel it's important for landlords to make up their mind when they're looking for a tenant to rent to, 
they have to have the attitude that it's better to have no tenant than a bad tenant. And a lot of people, they, they feel desperate to take anyone who comes up with the money because they need it rented. And unfortunately, if they just waited a little bit longer for the right person to come, that right person probably would have made it rather than to give in and take a bad tenant and start the whole cycle of problems with, with the tenant and, and all the work that they have to do to restore the property when they finally get that tenant out. It's just not worth it. And it's, it's more of a nightmare business if people are going to, if they're going to rent that way because it's, you know, you're better off winning the lottery than, than um, just uh, taking any tenant because they flash the money. Well, yeah, and if we could all win the lottery, we none of us would probably own rental properties because honestly, <laughs> we we do it for the money. We don't we don't we don't do it for the fun of it. And you know, getting the money right. means providing a good product and and having the right customers for it. So, the the place that I see an awful lot of people fall down, and I know you you've dealt with many more lands, landlords than I have over the years, so I'm sure you've seen it too. Is when problems start to happen so it's 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 too late you know tenants been screened they've moved in now things are starting to happen uh rent's coming late every month uh maybe they've got a dog they're not allowed to have maybe uh they're uh, you know fixing cars in the in the driveway and the city's issuing tickets because there's not supposed to be a business running out of this house and so on and a lot of folks don't know how to deal with that. Once, once, once it has begun to happen, they sort of, you know, they shake their fingers and they warn, but they don't actually do anything about it. What, how, how, how do you feel about the balance between I want to keep my unit rented, but on the other hand, I don't want to create myself a, a constant hassle, the, the, the management part of it? Right. Well, like you said, there, there's a balance. And that's that's the important thing, and that the landlord would have to decide um, how how bad are these problems. First of all, if it's a month-to-month tenancy or if it's a fixed-term lease, are you stuck with these tenants for another 11 months, or do you only have a couple of more months left on the lease, or can you give 30 days at any time to get rid of these people, and is it worth it? Uh, so the first thing to do would be to try to remedy the situation with uh, a notice of lease violation. That's if talking to the people about the problem uh, doesn't doesn't help resolve the situation. And then the next step would be to make it formal with, with a written notice of violation. And if the lease provides it, uh, like my lease does, uh, there would be a penalty fee for not, not um, curing the violation. And uh, you know whether that's collectible or not. That's that's uh, that's another matter. But the idea is that the tenant will owe more money uh, because of these violations. And if that doesn't cure it, it's just a matter of whether the landlord is going to be able to deal with this until until the end of the tenancy. Because unfortunately, trying to get someone to uh, stop doing something that they insist on doing. Because in a lot of cases, these tenants are very uncooperative, and and nothing you say can make them change what they're doing, whether it's unauthorized occupants or if it's um, you know uh, fixing cars in in the driveway, parking on the lawn, uh, or um, 
who knows what what it is that they might be doing that's a violation but if they're not going to stop they might be just making noise and disturbing the peace and if it breaks the law then the police can be brought in, uh, can be involved in the situation which mm-hmm. may help a little bit mm-hmm. but, um, yeah unfortunately it's uh, a lot of times people are stuck with the problem if if um, you know just trying to handle it nicely and legally doesn't work give me give me some examples uh, or one or two examples of things that if you found out they were going on in one of your units that would just be it like eviction is going to get filed i'm going to take it as far as i can take it i'm i'm getting rid of you if 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 i at all can what what sorts of activities would cause you to uh take a, a course of action like that well a, a couple of things and usually it would be something illegal to be able to to have the power to to um, do something about it right away and uh, one funny situation we had uh, years ago in an apartment was a real nice girl rented it and she paid a good rent no questions asked and she moved in and uh, we started getting complaints from the neighbors that you know there was a lot of traffic in and out and uh then then we found out there were lines of guys down the sidewalk down the block lining up for this property and we learned that the girl was a hooker so um what we did is uh we got a notice from the town uh, my partner went over to his the town and uh reported the unit for for this activity and uh, you know, actually he rep- he reported it as um, an apartment without a permit and he was able to get a letter that said that she had to leave right away and that got that got rid of it uh-huh that uh-huh. got rid of the girl she she didn't want any problems with the police and um it, it made her skedaddle and then then it was a big cleanup uh, getting rid of uh, all kinds of crazy things she had screwed up onto the wall <laughs> and the ceiling i'm sure i'm sure um but then <laughs> Another thing would be probably drugs. Uh, you know, most uh, uh, the most common thing that I think uh, landlords worry about is if uh, the tenants are dealing drugs in the properties. And uh, something like that, I think, would just be a, a matter for the police. If there's, if it looks like that's what's going on, it needs to be investigated. And, and I know in a lot of areas, the landlord can lose his house if they find out that the house is being used uh, for selling drugs. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so the police, I think, uh, would, would be a, a very important option to make use of for things like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's one of those, that's one of those weird uh, legislative and regulatory rocks versus hard places that uh, we sometimes run into as property owners that in many areas our houses can be confiscated because our tenants were dealing drugs with or without our knowledge. And uh, I can't tell you how many neighborhood activists I've heard say, seriously, I've heard them say, landlords rent to drug dealers on purpose because they pay the rent and that that is so oh, far boy. from true <laughs> nobody wants nobody wants a drug dealer in their property for a variety of reasons uh, you know not not only are they involved in illegal activities but they uh, tend to uh, attract other illegal activities and also damage the properties pretty bad so if 
you happen to have ever thought that, you can get that out of your mind. There aren't too many landlords out there who want a drug dealer in their property. Uh, John, we have about one minute left. What if, if you had one tip? I know it goes fast, right? If you had, yeah. if you had one tip to offer to anybody out there who was who was thinking about rental properties, maybe renting their first property, big one, what would it be? Well, um, the the most important thing I I could think of is if you're going to be a landlord, it's very important to realize that most of your tenant problems. I always say ninety five percent of the tenant problems can be eliminated in the screening process. And just check them out and uh, use the tools available to you online for credit reports and rental applications and follow all the steps uh, from the very first contact, uh, pre-screening, which is a big thing that, that I always talk about now, and um, all the other steps of screening. Because if you can focus on only the right people that you want to rent to, then your odds are going to be greatly improved. And then choose the best possible tenant for your rental. Wonderful. Thank you so much, John Nuzalese from the Landlord Protection Agency for sharing some of your great advice about ways that landlords can protect themselves. Um, we are about to the end of the show here. So uh, just one quick reminder, Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati does meet tomorrow night. If you're in the area, the topic is 2015 market forecast. And you can sign up for the 2015 wholesaling market forecast from anywhere in the country by going to askvina.com. We'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing.